everybody. Welcome to Hey Watch This. Oh, I'm great. Paul Goebel. Oh, great. We're recording. Please tell me you didn't record any of that. I did, but I'll cut it. <laughs> this isn't like this isn't the old Paul Goebel show. I cut that horseshit at the beginning. What's your name? Uh, I'm David Bax. I think I just said that. <laughs> no, you didn't. You just went, oh, no. I thought I said, I think pretty sure I said I'm David Bax. Okay. I'm well, now everyone's sure that I'm David Bax. You're, we're absolutely. Yeah. You're definitely David Bax. So, uh... First things first, thank you everybody who watched me on At Midnight, and thank well, you everybody... thank you, Paul, for being awesome on At Midnight. <laughs> you killed it. It was fun, and they make it very, very easy, so I want to give all credit to everybody over there, Blaine and Chris and Chelsea, the writer I worked with that day, and of course, Greg and Maria are great, and mm-hmm. Bart, who runs the show... Uh, and Blaine, you know, came in my dressing room and we shot the shit. And they're, like, super nice and they give you all these things. Like, they asked me, what would you like in your dressing room? And I said, um, no, nothing special, but, like, fruits and cheeses if possible because I wanted protein and I didn't want mm-hmm. a bunch of junk food in there. And she goes, sure. And I, what about the drink? I said, uh, just, like, water and, I don't know, I like iced tea, but that's not a big deal. She goes, we can get you that. I said, okay, great. So in my dressing room is a big-ass plate of delicious fresh fruit, uh-huh. grapes and watermelon and fucking everything, nuts, hella cheeses, delicious, and junk food as well if I wanted that, but <laughs> high-end stuff. And the fridge was full of soda, water, and unsweetened iced tea. It was great. Plus, I don't know if you've ever had those delicious... If you had asked for, like, a bottle of bourbon. That's what I, I said to Brooke. What if I had asked for, like... 20 double-doubles from In-N-Out. <laughs> but I mean, would right? they have given you booze if you had asked for booze? I don't know. I think booze, they're probably... It's like, they, as a as a business, they can't do that. Right. Supply you with booze. Uh, but then again, people give booze as gifts all the time. So yeah. why not? Because the best thing was... Have you ever had those delicious cookies? No. There is this company on Highland. Like Highland and Melrose. Okay. It's a pink building on the right. Like... Where the Border Grill is or was. You know what I'm talking about? The Border Grill in Highland. You mean, um, it wasn't Border Grill. It's the same owner. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever it, name is. Susan Milliken. Or... Yeah, it, it used to be called Street. Okay. Now it's Mudhead Tavern. So it's still across, owned by her. Though. So across the street across is this pink street. building. It's a bakery where they make these amazing fucking cookies. Delicious. And uh, there was a box of them. An entire box of them. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to take all these home. But then afterwards, all the fools who came to see me uh-huh. wanted to see my dressing room. So they ate all my food and they each took a fucking cookie <laughs> and there was none left. Um, but that was fine. And it, I, I want to say thank you to Jim and Tyler and uh, Tom Griffin and Asian Kyle and Mark Hoyk for coming and supporting me. And then we all, uh, I was not able to go because I have a regular have better job. things to do. Sure. Um, but then we all went and did karaoke after. Yeah, and after, and we went to karaoke that night, and Dave Amiat showed up, and Mrs. Howell showed up, yeah, because it was Dave's birthday, and Dave knew the karaoke guy, and uh, J. Keith Van Stratton showed up, which was fun, so it was like a Beat the Geeks reunion, but uh, it was great, we all had a great time, and I want to say, the great thing about them, first of all, I want to address this George Lucas thing, yes, they thought it would be funny to make a joke about how I look like George Lucas. So all of you who said, why didn't they say George Lucas? That was what they pitched to me. But I didn't want to do it because that's old to me. I've heard it before. But more importantly, I wanted to make that joke about Greg and his book. Uh-huh. I wanted to make fun of Greg and his book and the movie. 
And I thought, oh, I really want to get this gag in. <laughs> so I pitched that and they said, okay, fine. But the funny thing was Chelsea, who's in her 20s, she's like, okay, I'll have to pitch it. Uh, what what book did he, did he write? She didn't even know what I was talking about. Right. So A, she was already on my side, not even knowing what the joke was. But B, I thought, wow, she doesn't. It, she doesn't know. She knows the book, but she doesn't know who wrote it. Because right. I said, uh, you know, she, he, he's not. He's just not that into you. The book, and then they made that shitty movie out of it. And she goes, "Oh, that's him." <laughs> and I say, "Yeah, that's Greg's book. He's like a, a millionaire now." She's like, "Oh, wow, yeah, I remember that." Because that book came out when she was in college, probably or in high school, and then she saw the movie. But I thought it was funny just because she's super young. Is not that she doesn't know anything about comedy because she knew about the book and the movie and all that. She just never met Greg, didn't know he was the guy who wrote it. Or maybe she met him, never put the two together. But it was great because then she, all the jokes I pitched, she took she, and, she, and she took back in the writer's room and she came back and said, okay, this one's good. This one, no. This one, yes. And then they already had a bunch of jokes written out that we picked from and we made sure nobody, you know, overlapped. But I'd say about half of the jokes I said on there were mine. Like, they wrote Chicken McFuggets, mm-hmm. but I wrote Cunt Cake. Mm-hmm. So, I'm happy about that. Who wrote uh, Crouching Tiger Fired Substitute? Me. That's a good one. That was a good joke. Because, they, yeah, they had something for that, but I said, let's do this. Because the great thing is, they had a whole list of them. So, it wasn't like she was pitching me. I was just reading the jokes. But then, when I would pitch her, she'd go, okay, and she'd write it down. Never, like, mm, the only time she pushed back was the joke that I... I expected, because there was one bit uh, where this harpist died doing what she loves, but I think they cut it. Okay. It was, yeah, it, it was, was in the, it was in the opening section, but this woman who plays a harp in a symphony, she died on stage oh, after okay. playing harp for like eight. I heard about that. Yeah. And so they were saying, what else could someone do dying, what doing what they love? And Greg's was great, because he said he died doing what he loved, heroin. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my favorite. But I pitched... He died doing what he loved, being black and being pulled over. Mm-hmm. And she went, okay, I got to tell you, those are the ones that are often cut just because there seems to be a shooting every other day in this country. I went, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And she came back and went, yeah, they all said no. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is a great system because I'm pitching to a writer who's taking it to someone else. The head writer who I know and other writers who go, yes, no, whatever. And the fact that I'd say 90% of what I pitched they put on the air shows that they're just not, you know, they're they're fine with whatever you want to write. It was a great thing, and Chris doesn't see any of our material beforehand, so he's actually laughing. And the other comedians, we don't get to see what they're doing, so it's all new and great stuff. I will say that sign thing. One guy said it would have been great if I just had a sign that said Hodor. So uh, <laughs> I, I do kind of wish I had done that, but I'm also glad I made fun of Greg. Um, it, 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 and it was a blast and Chris was super nice and as I'm leaving the stage he said you'll be back we'll have you back So, and then when I was doing my dance he said you know they probably cut all that right and I'm like yeah whatever but then they didn't no. yeah. <laughs> they kept almost the entire thing <laughs> while he was talking that was fun and I'm glad Maria joined in Yeah. That was so fun. it was a blast um, what was your oh another bit uh they did at the beginning when they were showing those bad videos, you know, and asking questions about them. Uh, one of them was this woman singing, and I am telling you, uh-huh. but really, really badly. 
And they said, what should be her next number? And I said, she should do that Whitney Houston hit, Drowning in a Bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Which was my joke. And I and they, they okayed that. Uh-huh. And I said it. And the crowd was like, <laughs> So they cut it. Uh, and they put in the one that they wrote, which was, um, like, he died uh, doing what he loved. Oh, no, that was a different bit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's – I just want to say, lastly, this sounds corny, but um, someone wrote and said, you know, it felt like it was a win for all fans of the Paul Goebel show. Mm-hmm. And in truth, I mean, all the people who have listened to me and follow me on Twitter and listen to this show and, you know, friends – Podcasts and the whole fucking world we've built, Jim's show, Jim's podcast, and all that shit. Obviously, you tune in because you like what we do, and you know I put all my personal shit out there, and so you know it's all it's all real. And it, this was a big deal to me, and people knew that it was a big deal, and they supported me in the right way. I mean, of course, in the in the grand scheme of things, it's fucking meaningless. And even in the grand scheme of my life, at the end of my life, this will be a blip, hopefully, because I will have done more important things than when I die. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, the fact that you guys, listeners and fans, and all my imaginary friends on the internet, you know, so many friends that I have never even met on the internet, and you all knew that this is a cool thing, and, and uh, I appreciate uh, all friends, the, from Jim Bruce all the way down to the Jake man, everyone in, and everyone in between <laughs> who, uh, who uh, different levels of knowing this. Uh, okay. So getting, moving on to the week, what, what did you do this week besides uh, watch me? You just watched me on a loop over and over again. That's pretty much on at midnight, right? No. Um, <clears throat> I saw uh, a couple of movies. I saw neighbors Two, and it's great. I hear it's great. Now, did you see the first one? Yes. And I didn't like the first one. Okay. This one is way better. I think now this is, I saw the first one and I thought I saw it with the kids. So I thought it was funny. There's stuff that made me laugh. I love like Baron Holtz. I thought Hannibal Burris was very funny. I understand he has a much bigger role in the second one. No. Really? The opposite. He's Smaller? A, he's only in one oh, well, fuck that montage. Thing. And then also, who was the other... Who, was it Gerard Carmichael, with yeah. the black guy? Yeah. Who was brilliant in the first one. Yeah, but as far as the first... The fraternity guys from the first one. Yeah. Zac Efron is the only one who's really back. Like, Dave Franco has a couple scenes and Gerard Carmichael has a couple right. scenes. And Christopher Mintz Plass has, like, one scene. I'm say- But I'm just saying... This is why I like the first one. I'm making a point, making the argument okay. for the first movie because it was funny, but I, from what I guess, from what I gather in the second movie, it actually has a, a pretty amazing message. This is, um, yeah, which I the first say, one had. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying the first one had a bad message. It just didn't have one. Right, it didn't think, bother. Uh, I was going to say, you said you brought your kids. You should definitely see this one yeah. with your daughters. That would be a perfect, perfect people to see it with because yeah. it's a really uh, pro. Pro uh, lady uh, feminist movie that also doesn't get so up on its high. This is I was talking with Tyler on the. Oh, what, what was that? My acronym, my Rigby was supposed to be. Uh, Tyler <laughs> oh, that's and I talked right. about some battleship retention. Um, yeah, uh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. I wrote it down. Um, but it it also doesn't get so on its on message that it forgets that these are still just eighteen and nineteen year old kids, uh-huh. and even though they're girls, that doesn't mean they're not fucking stupid. Right. So there's a lot of there, there's a lot of great. Uh, great stuff, and That's I also funny. feel like it, it cares more about its characters and the and the jokes, hmm. and are better because it's not just. I mean, I feel like I'm repeating. I've been saying this for years now, but so many studio comedies rely so heavily on improv and riffing hmm. that it ends up they, they end up feeling sort of like 
gelatinous. Like they don't hold no, together. It's, it's the Will Ferrell and, uh, yeah, and school of comedy. Because when you do that, you can end up seeing you see the performer more than the character. You know what yeah. I mean? You can and the first the movie had so much of that. Yeah, and this one stays on on character, and the jokes are better because they're rooted in something that we care about. It's not just it's interesting riffing. because the, I, I liked it. Like I said, I liked the first movie, and it was funny. But it wasn't until the it's almost like the movie is over before you realize what message it has, if any, mm-hmm. which is. Yeah, college is fun, but if you're going to fuck around for four years, you're going to end up standing in front of a fucking a clothing store with your shirt off. Yeah. And that's going to yeah. be your job. And, you know, and the fact that they have one character who basically says that, look, man, this is great, but I'm graduating and I got to live my life. I'm going to go be an architect or whatever the fuck he does. And then, and then even at the end when Seth Rogen shows up and he's like, yeah, boy, uh, we both are assholes. That's a learning experience. Let's mm-hmm. be friends now. Which, it's almost like the first movie was only setting up the second movie. I'll yeah. say this, though. One day, I was with my kids, and I said, and we walked by, what is that store? Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, we walked by the A&F in the mall, and I said, what do you give me if I stand in front of there with my shirt off? <laughs> and they were like, don't do it. And I said, you know people would love it, though. And then we got home, and I immediately saw 100 YouTube videos of that. Uh-huh. And then it was in the movie, so I was like, see... I'm as funny as Seth Rogen, <laughs> so fuck you, kids. Um, but no, Abercrombie doesn't do that anymore. Thank God, and that's actually that comes up in Neighbors too. Really? Yeah. Oh, they, good. Oh, that like he got fired from that. Well, no, he's like all he's with his frat guys, and they're all talking about they've all moved on, like have good jobs, right? Now. Like Chris Woman's class is like a Silicon Valley guy, and Jared Carmichael was a cop, and Dave Franco became an architect or whatever. Okay. And he's talking about his work experience, and he's like, <laughs> he's like. Uh, you know, they don't do the shirtless thing anymore, so now i got to work inside and wear this monkey suit. <laughs> He's wearing, like, a sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I will say I'll say this about the first movie is Zac Efron is great in that movie. And he's great in this one, too. Because he does exactly what he should do, being Zac Efron. Take your shirt off the whole fucking movie if you want. But he's, he's funny. the guy. He's but, yes, and on top of all that... He's and so charismatic. And here's one of the uh, I won't say any specific jokes, but one of the like running jokes of Neighbors 2 is that you realize like because this was a guy whose entire life was about being president of a friend and didn't actually care about college. Right. You realize he's really really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do that in, yeah, I think and that was some of the stuff in the first movie too when <laughs> Dave Franco was like, "You know, all this is bullshit." Yeah. He kind of was like, "You don't really believe this, do you?" <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, he's a fucking idiot. There's a scene, and I won't give away the jokes, but literally Seth Rogen is teaching Zac Efron how to hard boil an egg. Oh, and it's one of the funniest scenes That's, in is, uh Is Lisa Kudrow in it? She's just like the first one. She has one scene, and it's a good scene. Cause her, now, she had two scenes in the first oh, one, did she? didn't she? When they went to see her first, and then they come back and see her again. I okay, think. okay. Yeah, but her, she, she has just, the funniest line to me is when Drag Carmichael goes, Listen, I want to let you know, I just ate an entire marijuana brownie. And she goes... I am the opposite of the person you should be telling that to. <laughs> and I'm like, that's these two characters are barely in this movie, and that made me laugh my ass off. Well, the funny thing is, Brooke wants to see the second one because of what she's heard about it, but now she doesn't want to see it without seeing the first one, so we were searching for it, and I think it's on cable tonight, but do you need to see the first one to enjoy the second one? Uh, no, because uh, Mrs. Howell had not seen the first one and came, uh, and, and the only thing you need to know from the first one 
is that is the thing about the airbags. They take the airbags out of the car and hide them around so people get right. flung because that comes back. It was maybe my least favorite part of the first one, and unfortunately still, it comes back in, the, in a big way. In so second. it's just as funny without knowing about the reference in the first one? Because all it is is a sight gag, and they show that in the trailers anyways. He says they're going to put you up through that vent, <laughs> and instead he knocks the wall down. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Yep. Comedy. You got it. So, uh, yeah, so and, fuck that. Uh, Another movie I saw that couldn't be more different than Neighbors 2, I saw Last Days in the Desert, which is the movie where Ewan McGregor plays Jesus, uh, and also Satan. Okay. It's fantastic. Oh, really? You know, a slow-moving, talky, meditative art movie. Is it as good as the book? Um, (laughs) This is not a part that's in the book, I don't think. What? Um, So it's just made up? Well... I mean, you're Jesus, telling me, unlike the rest of the Bible, this is just a made-up Jesus story. Did, yeah. <laughs> Jesus did wander the desert. Yes. Um, but this, these last days in the desert are not based on anything in the Bible. It's a okay. story about him camping. The desert and, just him camping? And he, no, he <laughs> discovers a family out there and helps them with his carpentry skills, helps them build a home in the desert. And it's, the, it's the Griswolds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's National Lampoon's. Christian Vacation. Yeah, that's exactly it. But uh, it's really, really good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I watched Lady Dynamite. Did you watch that? I haven't watched it yet. I watched the first episode. It's exa- It's funny. It's exactly what you'd expect from a Maria Bamford sitcom. It's fucking wacky. She's hilarious. Uh, Lennon Parham is in it, who's funny. Bridget Everett is in it, who people enjoy. Uh, Patton and Brian are both in the first episode. And John Mulaney. And Fred Melamed, of course, plays her agent, and he's brilliant. I will say, I want to say this. I uh, first we watched Lady Dynamite, and then we watched Veep. Uh And Lennon Parham is my favorite character on Veep right now. She's still on. Well, they brought her back because they needed her. Did she get like fired? Yeah, but they needed to waste time with this recount thing, so they brought her back specifically to do that to stand in court and fucking just basically stretch. (laughs) And it's hysterical because that's what she does. She doesn't say anything, but she talks forever. And I was like, God, that character's funny. And I tweeted, just watched Veep and uh, Lady Dynamite with Lennon Parham, and I tagged her and I said it was a total Lennon party. And I was like, get it? And Brooke's like, no, what does that mean? And I said, you don't know what a lemon party is? <laughs> and she's like, no. And I go, oh, it's this website, lemonparty.org. Oh, and she was smart enough to go, this is going to be gross, right? Yeah, and I said, yeah, but it's nothing you haven't seen before. It's not like, she goes, is it like Goatsy? And not, I said, yeah. it's not, not near as bad as Goatsy. But I was amazed. She, but then Lennon Parham retweeted it and then responded with like three party popper emojis and i thought ah, that's what a lemon party is lemon party is three old men having sex to the tune of happy for the rest of your life whatever that song is but a lemon party is just setting off three party poppers (laughs) (laughs) um all right you want to talk about the last man on earth let's let's talk about these tv shows all right um Nothing really, I don't think anything really blew me away. This was more of a wrap-up, you know, because you knew Mike but was wasn't a big, gonna... a huge cliffhanger. Yes, but the but it's not like the episode was about that. Right, right. Okay. Um, you know, we knew Mike wasn't going to stick around because... Uh, but I still wonder. Jason Sudeik, well, you know, he's got another, he's got his own show coming in the fall. But plus, he wants to be a movie show. star. He can do that. But I think it's his both. show. I think he's yeah, a producer okay. also. Um... But here's what I don't understand then. How... We talked about this already. Yeah. How did the cow die? 
I don't know either. That I was wasn't like, confused. Should be immune. Yes, I was. I wasn't confused before, but I am now because that calf is still alive. And uh, Phil or Tandy or whatever, right, is able to be around Mike no problem. Yeah. So it seems like the immunity. If you were immune once, you still are. Right. But then why did the cow die? No, you're right. Unless, it doesn't make any sense. I, unless, I mean, we're not doctors, so if you are one listening, please let us know. But unless it's possible that Mike, not being immune and carrying the virus, was able to, like, physically transfer it while milking the cow. I mean, he is, you know, putting his hands on a cow's orifice. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, it's possible be, that, like, maybe... Maybe it maybe it doesn't spread through the air. Maybe it's a virus that is only spread through contact. And so many animals were spared because they were penned up and caged maybe. up and their maybe. people died. So I don't I, want to make the whole show about this, but it But that but it's true. I mean when they talk about end of the world stuff, um generally they say it was a huge outbreak and before we knew it, because it's all airborne. But like look at uh twenty eight days later. Mm-hmm. You had to get it inside of you to turn into a monster, whether right. through your eyeball or somebody bit you and put it in your blood. So there were plenty of people who knew. And in fact, then they showed 28 months later, mm-hmm. it wasn't the world wasn't overrun with zombies. They were able to handle it. So maybe it's like that. Physical contact is, you know, is still the most common way to spread diseases. So maybe it was like the people who are immune are immune. The people who aren't, some of them were probably, I'm sure there's, like a CDC somewhere that is still functioning, you know, but they're not going outside. You know hmm. what I mean? But well, th- this is all conjecture, so who yeah. gives a fuck? Let's talk about the episode itself. Which I, was good. Which was good. I like that Tandy went to get his brother because it seemed like that would make sense. He would yeah. he, he would really do that. So that's all fine. And then the jokes and the burns and the fart. I tooted the sriracha. It was all funny. I just hated when... I just hated the maudlin stuff when Mike was like, you got to go, though. You got to get out of here. You hated it? Like, yeah. Why? Like, well, just because either be funny and be brothers and be stupid to each other. Or, you know, when he said, you're such a loser. That whole, like, Bigfoot yeah. get out of here thing. You're, it was corny, you're man. You're missing the beauty of this show is that it can do both things. Like, that, that part. Uh, I don't think it does both things as well. That I don't part think it in does... front of the parents' graves, like, that's crazy. And. Really emotional. That part, yes. But the part where he's going, get out of here, Phil. You're a loser. Even when you were the last man on earth, you were a loser. And then he, and he almost immediately goes, oh, I just said that. So you'd leave. It was corny. It was like out of Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, I thought it didn't need it, to be it, there. It worked for me. Especially because the second scene was better. They should have just done the second scene. But you needed to have him... You needed the first scene to get to the second scene. I don't think you did. I mean, I mean they could have. It could have just been written differently. I disagree. I think. I think it. Uh, it worked. Um, I think the stuff uh, back at the house was also very funny. But this, I'm not, getting back to Mike and okay. and and Tandy, didn't we already see this? Didn't this already happen? Mike shows up. They immediately start pranking each other and sibling rivalry. Finally, they break the barriers down. And they sing to each other so much that everyone now hates Mike as much as they hate Tandy. What, didn't that already happen? Yeah, but Mike wasn't sick then. This is a different thing. They're still brothers, though. Sick. If it was like if it was a, a a lover thing, I could see it. But 
that being brothers, telling your own brother, you're no one likes you, get out of here. It's just dumb and corny, and we've seen it, and I don't think it added anything to the episode. It just seemed like it was, it, it was, I don't know, it was like something someone wanted to do, is what it seemed like. I, I think that's a fair point. It did work for me. Okay. All right, so back at the house, though, uh-huh. um, comedy is going on. But also some serious stuff. Because right. the reappearance of the drone uh, sets off a, a nerve with certain people. And, and, and <laughs> yes. we see, I think, a little bit below the surface of Melissa and that she's uh, a paranoid right. um, and scared person. Yeah, she's yeah, she's paranoid. And uh, it's not just, she's not that she's just paranoid, but also she's, you know, violently paranoid. Yeah. Her first thought was... Let me get this loaded shotgun that I have already here uh-huh. to shoot someone and shoot this fucking thing out of the sky. And they all went, whoa, she had a shotgun all ready to go here. What the fuck? And then it was such an egregious uh, move that they put her in the stocks. Yeah. And she knew, yeah, I was kind of out of control. She was down with that. So that was a big deal to them to see, oh, she's scary. But also, I liked how it was very realistic in, in terms of like the psychological effects you know, every every day you wake up in this crazy world and try to make sense of it. And yet something always happens, whether it's, oh, now there's a new person. Oh, now the cow is dead. God damn it. Now there's a fucking drone. And I think, like, um, I had this conversation on the, the Kettle of Fish show about Last Man on Earth. And they were saying, why, what, she can't describe a drone? None of them know what a drone is? I that think, was weird. Yeah, but I think the problem was none of them wanted to believe her that she saw something. Because it breaks the bubble of their world. You know, it's like every every time a new guy shows up, they go, Oh my God, there was one more person. <laughs> then they bring them into the world and shut the door behind them. And then something happens to fuck up their world. And you don't like that when you're, you know, you're trying to just be a normal person who gets up in the morning and makes fucking pancakes and waffles, even though their world is crazy. So you see a drone and that's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. Because not only is it another person, it's another person you don't know, could be a million people. They have technology, (laughs) you know, uh, and it's fucking scary. And I think it was great because they all reacted, you know, kind of differently it, you know, their first thought was there was no drone. You're drunk. Be quiet. But then, but she didn't say drone. That's right. You're there. You didn't see what anything. Right. But I think some people might have went. Well, it could have been a drone. But then who's flying it? There's nobody left. Right. That's the world they live in. Because we're watching it. We know people show up on the first episode. Another person showed yeah. up. So we know there's going to be more people. But they don't live in that world, and they think this is it. Melissa, that's her name, right? Yeah. Yeah, and she her first thought was, holy shit, this thing could kill us. And she grabs a gun because, yeah, maybe there's a weapon on it or, you know, <laughs> who knows what the fuck that thing is. But I thought it was great because they all reacted the way they would, you know. And uh, Mel Rodriguez looks hilarious with his head shaved <laughs> and his no mustache. It makes me laugh to look at him. Uh, what else happened back at the house? Uh, that's kind of the main thing. I mean, most of the stuff was in, in Tucson. Right. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of the... Oh, I liked thing. it when <laughs> Melissa shot the thing and uh, uh, Kristen Shaw goes, oh, my water just broke. <laughs> they're like, you're three months pregnant. <laughs> oh, right. It was just pee. 
was fucking great. That made me laugh. Speaking of that, I don't know if you saw this, but next week, Fozzie Bear is going to be on at midnight, and Christian Shaw is going to be on. Okay. I asked for tickets. I'm going to try to go if I can. Okay. You want to go? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but isn't that great? Fozzie Bear, especially now that his show's canceled, he's going to be on there saying he's looking for a job, and that'll be fucking great, right? He's like a comedy legend. Yeah, I guess. Isn't he, though? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't have the... Uh... Uh, you didn't grow up watching Fozzie Bear comedy? I guess not. Yeah, I used to listen to his albums. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were awesome. It was kind of weird that Fozzie Bear made albums. <laughs> um, so the show got picked up, which is good, of course. And it's, you know, so there's more shit. I, I feel like now that the show is pretty much, uh, it's a it's a hit, you know. It's all settled in. It fits in great with that Sunday night lineup. Yeah, it's because- a hit. It's only a hit with... Um- when you add like streaming and Hulu numbers, apparently it's oh, not okay. Not in the not in any traditional sense, but it is uh, with Hulu. It's a it's a hit. I believe it, um, but also people like I think kids who you know people don't really care about that demographic, but kids who watch The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers and Family Guy and all that also sit through Last Man on Earth because it is cartoonish and it's funny and there's and honestly just the way that Will Forte talks. I think is enough for a kid. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> His crazy, funny voice is enough for a kid to, to watch 30 minutes of it. Um, so they're coming back, but I think they're doing like a lot more just bolder stuff now. They're definitely, I mean, in season two, they definitely got darker. They also right. got weirder. There are multiple times this season when Mrs. Hall and I would be watching the show and being like, can you imagine someone flipping channels and landing on this and not knowing what it is? It's yeah. such a weird show. Just the fact that, you know, Will Forte, for a while, was going around town with half mm-hmm. a, a long head of hair and half a beard. And everyone went, ha ha, he's crazy. This is probably for his show. Yeah. It was a, it was like, what, four episodes yeah, of, of the yeah. fucking show where he was going around like that. And he really did it. And there's something about that. Like I said, Mel Rodriguez shaving his head and his mustache. He looks so weird because he, <laughs> he really did it. And fucking... Will Forte, the same way. He looked so weird because he fucking committed to it and he really did it. And they're committing to this shit. You know, you know that when Carol finally has her baby, something crazy is going to happen. The least crazy thing is there's now a baby on the show, uh-huh. right? The most crazy thing is anything else. Miscarriage. Right. Yeah, we, weird baby comes out. I think Erica will have her baby first, obviously. She's right. She's been yeah. So who knows what's gonna fucking That's happen? It was funny when they were like, "Who do you think is flying the drone?" And she's like, "I'm just gonna put this out there, but I kind of hope it's an OBGYN." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, the, I, I don't know, man. The show just gets funnier and funnier. Um, I oh, but let's talk about the ending with Bobby Elvis and those guys coming ashore. <laughs> what do we think is gonna happen Martin there? Jr. Right, because I had forgotten about that guy, so well yeah. done making me forget about him, because that, that when you see a character on the show, they're coming back. There's, I mean, it's called Last Man on Earth. Yeah, there's not, there's not a he, whole lot of characters. Yeah, so who are the other two that he's met since then? Right. Uh, and yeah, no, I, um, as soon as I saw the boat, I figured it was him. Oh, okay. Before, before we saw him step out. But yeah, that's, uh, it's getting into real lost territory now. Yeah, right. Writer, uh, in season four. Now, obviously, we know they can defend themselves, and maybe that was a... Well, Melissa can. Well, that was I'm saying maybe that was a smart way to let us know. They do have a, a gun or two yeah. around the house, because we've seen, obviously, Phil and Carol shooting the doors yeah. and shit. <laughs> yeah. So they can... 
uh, I mean, defend themselves in a sense. It's not like they're sitting ducks and they saw them coming so they can barricade or whatever. But what do you, I, I mean, obviously Bobby Elvis just thinks everyone's dead or infected. It's not like he wants to, I don't know, build a new society or whatever. Right, yeah. He's just coming along to take shit and kill anyone on land because he assumes they're infected. So obviously they have to do something. They can't just go, we're fine, we're fine, because that's not going to work. What do you think is going to happen? I really don't know. That's what so uh, that's what makes that's why good, I'm asking. Good, that's what makes it such a good cliffhanger. I know because I, I have know. no idea what's going to happen. Maybe we're, so. Were they the ones flying the drone? And it, yeah, I think okay. So. so they know who they're seeing, and that's why they got the that's why they got the suits on and all that stuff because they know we're going to run into human beings here. Yeah, but I wonder if Phil not being Phil being away, right? When the drone oh, oh, right. came yeah. back, if that's if they're going to be able to like get the drop on these guys because there's one more person than they're well, expecting, you know what I mean? Phil's going to most likely what will happen then is they'll try to prepare. They won't be able to, or they they won't get ready. But then they'll realize, uh, Phil's our only hope. <laughs> He's going to come back here and see what's going on, and hopefully he'll save us. And that's what's going to happen. He's going to be driving back. Well, no, because you know he was already back at the end. Oh, okay. So yeah, but so I'm saying yeah, they, they the guys in the boat don't know that Phil is one of the right. people there because they didn't. Oh, see okay. Him. So then they'll say Phil. They don't know you're. So you got to be the guy to save us. Yeah, and that'll be hilarious. Yeah. Um. All right. Want to move on to trivia? Let's move on to trivia. Last week I asked a question that I was on Big Bang Theory. There was a reunion, just like the Roseanne reunion, and a lot of good guesses. Uh, some were even like technically correct. Yeah, there were a few more answers than you realized. <laughs> yes, but is not the answer I was looking for. I was looking for George and Leo was the name of the show, which starred Judd Hirsch as uh, Leo and Bob Newhart as George. Is probably their least successful series. Ran for like six episodes. The premise was. Their kids were getting married. Jason Bateman played Bob Newhart's kid. This is mm-hmm. long before Arrested Development. And I don't remember the girl. She played uh, <clears throat> Judd Hirsch's kid. And they were getting married. And they owned a restaurant together. And the two fathers could not be more different. Of course, Bob Newhart was a buttoned up, stuttering old man. And uh, Leo was a con artist. So it was like that. But I thought it was a funny show. I don't know why people didn't watch it. But I guess people were just done with Bob Newhart. But that was the answer, George and Leo. Are you looking up the girl's name? Yeah. Um, was it Robin Lively? Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. Blake Lively's sister. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, speaking of Robin Lively, I hear they're doing a teen, uh, teen Witch reboot. Sure. Of course. Why not? Will they put in that top that? Probably the worst rapping 80s scene ever produced. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they'd top it. <laughs> So, you got a question this week? Uh, yeah, this for is us? about uh, our, the next show we're going to be talking about is Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Nathan Fillion. Canadian? <laughs> yes. And his former Firefly co star, Adam Baldwin, mm-hmm. have both voiced what superhero in, in animated uh, series and films? Well. Let's see. I watch a lot of DC animated films, and I know I've heard Nathan Fillion's voice. 
I'm trying to think when I have heard Adam Baldwin's voice. So I'm going to guess... A little clue, I guess. Nathan Fillion has voiced this character in multiple things. Adam Baldwin just uh, one and done. Right. Um... See, I want to say Green Lantern, but I feel like that didn't really happen. That was just that trailer they made. So I'll say... The Flash. I'm afraid that's not the correct answer. <laughs> okay. So you write it down. Did you watch Mike Tyson Mysteries this week? No, I've watched that show twice. Oh, that. really? I watch it when I'm high, because it's fucking hysterical when you're high. And, uh... I, you son of a... <laughs> and I was, um... God damn it. Uh, but I was watching it, because we're Brooke and I were watching something, and she go, I said, do you want to watch anything else? She goes, no, I have to go work, so put on something that'll make me leave. <laughs> and I said, well, Mike Tyson Mysteries will do it. But it was a really funny episode, and because it's only 15 minutes, we watched the whole thing. But this one, it was fucking, it was crazy and funny. But there was this character in it, and I'm like, who is that? And she goes, yeah, that name sounds, the voice sounds familiar. I go, it kind of sounds like Nathan Fillion. But doing an old man voice. And then he said about. And yeah. I went, oh yeah, it's Nathan Fillion. But it wasn't. It was Alan Thicke. Oh. And I went, oh right. Because Alan Thicke's the older Nathan Fillion. <laughs> he was the first Nathan Fillion. He's not, he's the sitcom Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion is the action Alan Thicke. But it was funny how they have the same voices. But that fucking show, I don't care what anybody says. It makes me laugh out yeah. loud. It's fucking great. Um, all right, so if you know the answer to that, and it would be a race at this point, clearly, send uh, the answer to paul at thekingoftv.com. Now, are we accepting only this, what you wrote down? I, th- I think we should, because th- I guess this is a bit of a clue. This is a superhero who has, had, who has been inhabited by more than one Oh, okay. No, yes. Good point. Good point. Yeah, it can't be like Captain Marvel. You have to say, and I'm talking about the Marvel. Well, what's the what is the the being the cosmic energy being? Don't they call it Captain Marvel? Marvel. Captain Universe. That's what they call it. Captain Universe. So yeah, it has to be. uh, So he's saying it's a superhero, but in this case, we want the actual name of the guy. Yes, or girl. More. uh, It's a guy. (laughs) All right. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, more, so more, give us the character's name. Has, an, has embodied this. Yeah, not story. their superhero name, but the actual yeah. uh, given name, a.k.a. Christian name of this person. And send it to Paul at thekingoftv.com. And uh, you can also send it to me via Twitter, at Paul Goebel Show. And on the Facebook, um, I still got plenty of room for Facebook friends. I don't have to turn it into a bullshit page where everybody's dumb about it. Um, <laughs> and uh, And you can also... Uh, send your answer to David as well. Right, David? Uh, yeah, you can find me at david at battleshippretension.com and you can read my uh, movie reviews and all sorts of stuff at battleshippretension.com, including my review of Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. Uh, and you can and should follow me on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Uh, so there you go. And um, my new episode... My new podcast regular, uh, my new podcast bottle episode, fuck, I gotta stop getting high before we record, (laughs) uh, will be available on Monday. It was supposed to be available Friday, but there was a problem uh, getting it linked to iTunes, and we want to start it on iTunes and not split our subscriptions, you know. But I put a trailer together. Did you see the trailer? No, I didn't. 
What? I tweeted the shit out of it. I put a trailer together. Um, and I'm bad I t- at Twitter. I'm good at tweeting. Yeah. I don't tend to read a lot of tweets. Yeah, unless you're tagged in them. Yeah, I kind of just I push them out there. Well, uh, it's on YouTube and it's it's out there. So if if you saw it, please you know give it a thumbs up and share it with people so they see what's coming up. But it's a trailer for our new podcast bottle episode, uh, which is being hosted by Podbean. So it'll be up on Monday. Um, all right, Castle. Let's do it. All right, let me say this first. I am a big fan of Castle. Okay. I. Mainly because I'm a huge fan of Nathan Fillion. And when this show came on, I, w- I was like, really? Another failed Nathan Fillion uh-huh. you know, show <laughs> where he's charming and funny all through it. And for whatever reason, people fell in love with it. I think because it was on after Dancing with the Stars, which had a huge viewership. And Tom Bergeron ordered everyone, stay tuned for Castle! <laughs> and they did... And because of the fucking charm of Nathan Fillion and the great chemistry between the two of them cannot be denied. And then all the interesting characters, the cops and his family, people realized, oh, this is a good show. And they kept watching it after Dancing with the Stars. And Nathan Fillion fans were like, finally, a great Nathan Fillion show that we can watch. And like I said, Stan Akkadik's easy on the eyes and telling great stories you know, a uh, typical ABC sitcom that should have gone on a long time and a long time longer. I love the show. However, okay. this was bullshit. Why? Of the highest degree. First of all, I have never cared less about a series-long arc than I have about this lock set horseshit. Okay. The show started with uh, Castle trying to figure out who killed her mom. Her mom was murdered. Very sad. She don't know. It's a, clearly a huge conspiracy involving horn-rimmed glasses uh, from heroes. Wait, whose mom? Uh, what did I say? Castle Beckett. Beckett's mom. Oh, Beckett's mom. Okay. Beckett's mom died uh, long ago, long before the series, long before she came a cop. But she was murdered. So that's that's like her story. I want to find out who murdered my mom. So every once in a while, we see that on the show. Eventually, it's a huge conspiracy involving her captain. Who was basically protecting her oh, this whole right. time. I knew that. Her old captain, the black guy, right? And it was great. And I remember when it happened, I was like, holy shit, I did not see that coming. And they had the balls to then write him um, off. And I remember watching that episode, and it's still one of the... I was watching it with uh, Sean, my old co-host. Uh-huh. And I can't, what was that guy's name, the, the captain? I can't remember. Okay, let's say it was Don, right? Okay. And the her two her two cop friends like the two cops who were yeah. under her, one of them like finds out who it is and texts her, Don is the killer or whatever, right. with an exclamation point at the end. <laughs> For some reason that uh, Sean and I couldn't stop laughing at the idea that in this life or death situation he had to, <laughs> he put, had the to put the exclamation point. Well, on there. it's this new predictive type that if you're typing something really fast. <laughs> It automatically puts an exclamation point. It senses point. the urgency. If yeah. you type it really slowly, it's a question mark. They put a question mark. And then if you if you leave a preposition, they type three dots. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but that was great. And I remember when that happened and they killed him off. I was like, whoa, he was one of my favorite characters. But you know what? That's great. They had to do that, right? You got to kill people off. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, Kat's trying to get in. So it was one of my favorite shows. And it was great. And then I heard... Well, they're going to do something big for the finale. And I loved it. 
uh, I was like, thank God this Loxat horseshit is over. Uh-huh. But then when, and spoiler alert, I'm going to ruin this episode for you. Right. When Christopher Palaha comes out with the gun, like as soon as Castle looks down at the fire, I realize, oh shit, someone's on this boat. I knew that's what was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to be him. Yeah. But I knew, okay, this isn't over. What so, do you mean someone's on this boat? What is that a reference to? I'm, that, I just knew someone was on the boat. I knew someone was going to come. It's not a reference to anything. I was but, saying. What's the boat? They were on a boat at the end. Isn't that where they were? I thought they were just at their apartment. Oh, I thought they went out to the, to a boat. Showed them on a boat. I thought they were hanging out on a boat. When did it show them on a boat? Oh, maybe I was wrong. Regardless, in the last scene when they're together and he's cooking food. <laughs> they're just in an apartment. I, maybe it was a commercial. Maybe I saw a boat on a commercial. <laughs> or maybe you still had the end of Last Man on Earth in your head. That was it. Yeah. I did watch them back to back. So possibly. But it's it's beside the point. He looks down at the fire and I realize, okay, someone's going to come out and try to kill them or murder them or tie them up, whatever. That's going to be a new catchphrase. <laughs> what? There's someone on this someone's boat? Someone's on this boat. <laughs> I hope so. There's someone on this boat. Um, and then it was Christopher Palaha and he shoots them both and she shoots and him. And Christopher Palaha on the show? Uh, well, he was just on this season, and he was involved in that thing. They thought he was... Hel- they thought he was the guy who got burned in the, in the car? Right. They thought he was helping them. And he said, because he told them, here's okay. the deal. I have this phone. It it only works in this place. He's supposed to call me at this time and tell me where to go. And we saw that when he called. So, yes, they thought Christopher Blaha was in the thing. Right. So then Philly goes, oh, wait, he had this oven. Why did he burn him up in that? So then you realize, okay, here it comes. Great ending. They're all shot fatally, like in the stomach area. Uh-huh. So either they're dying or they could just bleed for a long way. Like we've learned on what, from watching TV, people don't always die right away when they're uh-huh. shot in the stomach. Uh, so we don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to be alive? Who's going to be dead? But they reach hands and they hold hands. Okay, I'm going to let that go. That's corny as fuck that they reach over and hold hands. But... I bought into that, so I okay. I don't know if my wife and I were dying, I would I would reach out to her. Yes, in real, I'm not saying it's corny to do in real life. I'm saying it's corny to shove it in my face at the end of the show. <laughs> I get it; they're in love. But so if my wife and I are dying and I reach out for her, as long as I do it in the privacy of my own home, absolutely, it's don't okay. don't call in me public. to come over and watch it. <laughs> so if the show had ended there, which clearly it was meant to end there, it's supposed to be a cliffhanger as right? a season ender cliffhanger because they were still negotiating, obviously with Stan Akatic, uh-huh. and that was supposed to end there. Well, I th- I don't know for a fact, but it's clear to me that those negotiations fell through because I've heard tell that Stan Akatic is one of those actresses who doesn't give a fuck about money. Oh, good for her. She works on a show for a while and then says, well, I'm ready to leave. And unless you can make it worth my while, I'm out of here. Um, Whereas Nathan Fillion, of course, he's happy to have a job. They're both old school, you know. Uh, And so, like, she used to be a model, a rich model in Russia. She doesn't give a fuck. So I'm sure she said, this is my number. And ABC said, absolutely not. We don't do that here. And she went, great. And everybody shook hands. And then somebody else said, well... I don't think anyone's going to watch this show without her. Mm-hmm. It's it's called Castle, but fans are going to be pissed. Yeah. And so ABC said, fine. Because I'm sure they had to renegotiate other people, too. I'm sure Nathan Fillion just signed his contract and said, done deal. But they probably just said, it's too expensive now, and it's not worth it. So let's cut it out. So then the problem starts. They shoot this bullshit with them. Kids, they have what? 
four kids who are all the same age for some reason. And Stana Kadic is still skinny and beautiful. And she's, what, six months older than she was when that started? And the fucking, oh, get it? They live in the same boat or apartment, whatever the fuck it is. And now there's toys everywhere. And who gives a fuck what happened to anybody else on the show? What did they say it was? Seven years later. Seven years later. Uh Who gives a fuck about any of these other characters who we clearly didn't have time to talk about because we tacked on this bullshit? And I want to bring this up specifically because it's very timely. We did an episode of Bottle Episode with Heidi Hayward where we watched Pine Barrens. I think I mentioned this. And Heidi and Brock had never seen it before. So when the show is over, they're like, oh, that was great. And I go, and you know what the best part is? That character is never brought up again. Uh Never even spoken about again. They never say his name. I think the most that happens maybe is a shared look between, you know, Christopher and Tony Scirocco, Uh right? Never brought up again. And, And Brock was like, oh, that's amazing. And he brought up a good point. He said it really shows... A, a level of talent and bravery and ballsiness to not bring that character back. Because you know there was someone in the writer's room, at least on a monthly basis, who went, I have an idea to bring back that guy. Uh-huh. And David Chase said, no, we're never bringing him back. It's too fucking easy. Because how great would that have been? If you watched an episode and that guy came back, everyone would have lost their mind, right? <laughs> they would have went, yeah, the Russian guy's back, woo it would have been fucking like giving everybody candy. It would have been like candy for Sopranos fans. But Brock made the point that to not do that is the great thing. Okay. To to fucking refuse to do that and instead write something else that's better than that. So it sounds like you're on board with the way this castle ended. No. I'm on board. I'm the exact opposite. I'm on board with the original ending. And if that had been the ending with the three oh, of them bleeding out on the floor of that boat... That would have been great. That would have been one of the best finales. I think it's called a hole. <laughs> I would be here railing about how it was the best finale I've seen in years. Because the because also then, we don't know what happened. Do we want to do a castle reunion movie? Big screen? Small screen? Uh, a castle reboot 20 years later? Mm-hmm. Where, it, you know, it's Castle and Beckett's kid, you know... Richard Castle Jr., they call him Ricky. It's Ricky Castle. And he's now a writer and a crime fighter. And, you know, she's long dead. And, hey, look, it's my dad. He's on the show sometimes. That happens in life. Why do you want to write yourself into this bullshit thing that happened? Because now if you redo it, you got to go, ah, yeah, remember, we had a great family. and But your brothers and sisters are all dead. And now so is your mom. <laughs> so this is the show. I mean, why do that? Why write this... Thing that nobody wanted to see. Why not just say, and they all lived happily ever after. Roll credits. Same fucking thing. Cheaper to shoot and just as effective. That's what I say about this bullshit castle finale. Mic drop, I'm out. Alright, well, I don't have anything else to say because I never watched the show. Well, what it was, well, what was your feelings on it? Just On the way it ended? Uh, well, you had watched the show before. Yeah, I had so you're familiar a handful with it. of episodes. But, um, yeah, but just this show. Well, like... The Gerald McRaney thing, I thought was great. Him being locked set, I said, well done. I didn't see it coming because we all love Gerald McRaney, right? When he's a bad guy, he's fucking horrible. When he's a good guy, he's your best friend. Yeah. And when he shows up in that truck, I was like, oh, yay, Gerald McRaney's back. I love him. 
And he seemed like the good guy. And Rick even says, no, 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 he's my friend. He's a good guy. Yeah. And she's like, okay. Turns out, no, he's the worst guy. Yeah. And nobody saw that coming. Brilliant. And then the magnet gun thing, nice. Right? It was like every, they were ahead of us on every step. And and then she even says, Castle, be careful. And he loses his gun. So now there's another scuffle. It was like on top of everything. And then, and then ending with them dying... Perfect. A beautiful ending. But you just hated that last episode. Yeah. And it's like, then the show was perfect. And then they went, hold on a second. <laughs> All right. We're done now. <laughs> That's what they did. They finished the show and then said, wait, let me fart on it. And then we're good. And that's what happened. I watched this awesome show and I was happy. And then I went, ugh, who did that? <laughs> and I was not happy ever again. And that was the end, too. So I, there wasn't something more after that. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's over. I don't have anything else to say. I thought this episode was uh, a lot of a lot of people. Dude, a lot of people always die on Castle. There's like a high body count in this episode. Yeah, well, mostly bad people, but yeah, yeah bad people and uh, you know other like sometimes. Well, for it all always starts with a murder. Almost every episode, right? There's somebody murdered, but yeah, sometimes cops get shot, but. Bad guys, they don't have a problem killing bad guys, yeah, which is one thing I like about the show. The cops come in and they're like, I don't want to have to shoot you, but I will. And they do. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. That's yeah. what you should do when a guy and I needs liked, to be shot. I liked uh, Lockset's right hand man. I thought he was, uh, that was a good performance, a creepy guy. Who was that? Um, I don't know who the <clears throat> actor was, but the guy who. Which guy was that? The guy who did the burning and then had. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. I did like that guy because yeah. I've seen him on other stuff. The interrogator. He was great. But when Rick then drags him to the fucking table, punches him so much so that the guy's fucking discombobulated for 30 seconds, just long enough for Rick to push that thing in his vein, Uh which he found amazingly, and then start asking him questions. Because apparently that stuff works right away. doesn't even have to get into your system uh, before it starts working. That was fucking hackneyed. I don't know. I feel like that's... It seemed to me that within the reality of the show I was watching, that was fine. That was too much. It was clear they just I mean, it's wanted kind of, it. It's kind of a pulpy show. I don't mind that, yeah. I guess. But watch the scene again, for those of you who haven't watched it. And you'll see Rick grabs a guy, throws him up against this this wall, this standing upright table. And then to incapacitate him, he punches him in the stomach. And the guy stands there going, oh, oh, oh no, my stomach hurts so much I can't run away. And, he, and just in time, does it just long enough for Rick to fucking restrain him. That was corny, but I had I was okay with that because, like you said, it's part of the show, and they do something like that at least once an episode. But okay, yeah. then, what was the guy's name? Uh, Jed Reese. Um, apparently, he was he was on he, something else. That he was well, really I guess good he, on. he just played someone named Recruiter in Deadpool. I don't know if it's a big oh yeah part. yeah do you see Deadpool oh yeah he's the guy who recruits Deadpool that's where I saw him he's okay. great in that and he's super creepy yeah he's the guy who says we can cure your cancer we just have to do some stuff to you right. yeah he's really good in that that's what it was I was like I saw him in something else yeah um, all right so uh, I wish I had more to say but I I don't I won't, nah. I won't miss Castle because I never watched it what but, else uh, I, I'll, uh, last thing I'll say is when I was uh, in the office at, at midnight and I was pitching stuff I wanted to make a joke about Castle being canceled because it just happened the day before and I said that'll be kind of on brand for me and Castle and whatever mm-hmm. and Nathan Fillion and, and she's like oh okay I'll see 
Then she comes back and goes, yeah, they all went, is that show still on? <laughs> and I went, oh, I guess people really don't give a fuck about Castle. I think, because when I used to work at the morning after, that was a big deal. Yeah. For some reason, all the people who watched our show loved Castle. So we would pander to them and do shit about Castle. So I, I don't know, I was convinced that a lot of people loved it. Because if you're a fan of Nathan Fillion, you're going to watch that show, right? Yeah. I just, I, I just want to, where are people who are fans of shows where there's a no-nonsense lady cop <laughs> teamed up with an advisor who's a wisecracking, charming, non-cop male? Yeah. Uh, where are they going to go to get their fix now? I don't know. Besides Limitless. Right. Sherlock. Sure. Um, the Jane Spader one. The Blacklist. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Rosewood on uh, Fox. Okay. Um, the one with Red John. The Mentalist? That's, yeah. that's done though, right? Yeah, but that's canceled. Yeah, that's the thing. All fucking shows are like this. But I'll say this. Lucifer, least, which also got canceled. Absolutely. But that was the same premise. Exact same. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'll say this. The only one where they don't end up fucking is Sherlock. Uh, I, that's why I will always say Sherlock's a great show. Because they will never have them fuck. Right. Which is awesome. Uh, all right, so next week I want to watch Preacher, which everyone's talking about, and I'm taking. I saw the pilot. At you saw the pilot already. I, I spoiled it for next week. I thought it, I thought it was fantastic. Okay, now I'm taking bets. What is the after show going to be called? Because it's on AMC. It's going to be. Haven't they already announced? I don't know. Did they? Yeah, I think they already did. What was it? I, it's. Don't I say. think it's like Talking Preacher or something. Oh, well, shouldn't it be Preaching Preacher? Maybe it is. Or Reaching Preacher. Or, I don't know, prattling on about Preacher? I know they already announced this. Because, like, Talking Bad was okay because it sounds like Talking Dead. It's like Talking Dead is a play on Walking Dead. Talking Bad is a play on Talking Dead. You can't just put preaching in front of it. That's exactly what we were making fun of with the Watergate thing. Yeah. On, on at midnight, you can't just put gate in front of everything. So you can't just say talking. Hey, welcome to Talking Sherlock. Hey, welcome to Talking How to Get Away with Murder. Is that is that what passes for clever? How to Get Away with Talking is what it should be called. Hey, welcome um, to... No, it is Talking well, talking Preacher. Fuck you. It's Chris Hardwick again. Of course it is, but that's a terrible name. I do want to be a guest on it, though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> welcome first to... episode will have Dominic Cooper, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and Sam Catlin. Wow. Well, that's pretty much the stars and the producers. Yep. So why wouldn't you watch it? Um, all right, so I want to watch that. And David said he doesn't want to watch anything next week. <laughs> it's kind of weird. No, so we'll not. just be talking about Preacher. You okay, bye, everybody. Anyone, That's the show. Hey, watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, theme from Castle. This is the theme from Castle. Uh, I hope no Click. one thought that we were going to get away without um, watching Nashville one more time. So <laughs> we will be watching the Nashville series finale. At least, <sighs> at the very least, it will be the last time. Yes, yeah, so I can look forward to never watching it again. That's the great thing is I can look forward to the end uh-huh. and knowing that I will never, ever watch it again. Do who do you think someone's going to die? Plenty of people have died on the show. Yeah, probably. But, but I mean, they could kill off Juliet. That would be a great finale, right? Yeah, there you go. She's the she's the troubled one, right? Yeah. So yeah, have her finally die, but in a, a weird way. Yeah, or like. Deacon's cancer comes back in the second to last episode. Or it turns out Connie Britton's actually a terrible fucking person. And she, she's been manipulating all of them at the same time. And she kills Juliet finally. She's like, I've been trying to ruin you for the past five fucking years. Why won't you go away? And she finally just shoots her. 
Right? Every time when I'm watching Nashville and there's a sort of a long, silent moment shared between two characters in like a corny soap opera love way, and I love Nashville, but every time that sort of happens, I think... What if aliens landed right now? Like, what if that's where this show went? Just yes. they're standing by this river, gazing into each other's eyes, right? And then a fucking UFO comes down, that, and aliens come and start killing everyone. That's why people love Fargo. Oh right, because they're aliens. <laughs> it literally had that, <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. always have crazy shit. All right, so All right. Nashville and Preacher, and watch this. Wow, I remember that face. It's about when I got my tattoo. You got a tattoo? Where? Just heard from the DA Castle. Apparently, since all of these bottles used to belong to Bo James and he used to be our mayor, it's her opinion that they are owned by the city. But she says if you're willing to make a generous donation to the NYPD Widows and Orphans Fund, you can have one of Bo James' best for your very own. This is early Christmas, baby. I was not expecting this. Are you crying? Yes. I don't know what to say. Try let me get my checkbook. Yes, of course. Of course. But I I will only accept this if you all share it with me. Twist my arm. No. Not here. Um, at the old haunt. We will toast to Donnie with his family. Yeah, what, what about that place? What happens to the old haunt? It's going to go back to the bank, which means that T.J. McChucklenuts is going to get another shot at it. Oh, I wouldn't worry about the old haunt. You bought it, didn't you? So are you joining us? You know, I'd love to. It's late, and I've got a lot of paper. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. It's 9.15, actually. The regular crowd shuffles in. There's an old man sitting next to me. Making love to his tonic and gin. He said, son, can you play me a memory? I'm not really sure how it goes But it's sad and it's sweet And I knew it complete When I wore a younger man's clothes Sing us a song, you're the piano man Sing us a song tonight Well, we're all in the mood for a melody 